This week on the Defense Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, a new leader for a new office in the office of the Secretary of Defense and Cyber Command's Cyber Intel operations from the inside. It's Wednesday, October 26, 2022. Welcome to the Defense Scoop podcast. Every week you'll learn what's going on in defense technology. I'm the host of the Defense Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. Daniel Metz is the new director of the CIO office in the office of the Secretary of Defense at DOD. Metz will lead the new Information Management and Technology Directorate. She'll report to the Pentagon's Director of Administration and Management, Michael Donnelly. At CyberTalks, Metz tells moderator Kathy Miley of VMware what she'll focus on as she stands up the office. So as you may have seen, uh, we were uh, tasked uh, in April to really uh, kind of investigate the landscape of OSDIT and figure out how we got to where we are. And I think the story, part of the story has been the uh, consolidation efforts of IT over the past uh, couple decades. But I think the larger piece has been the fact that for a very long time, uh, leadership just didn't appreciate where technology fit in the execution of the department's mission. And because it was considered lesser than, it was easier to do efficiencies, take dollars out of uh, IT uh, budget lines, and place them into what was considered more strategic uh, mission uh, for the department. And all of, all of that left um, OSD particularly uh, without a, a chief information officer, so each of those um, components are called principal staff assistants, had to fight individually for themselves to figure out what they needed to do in the IT arena to be able to execute their specific mission and serve uh, for the secretary and the deputy secretary in their mission of what we were trying to achieve. And so you see a patchwork of things. And so what we've discovered in our study, there was a, a series of findings and associated recommendations. And the, the first recommendation was the stand up of this office and to really serve as the um, kind of the, to serve as the advocate, but then really unite the voices to create OSD and treat it as a unified component, very similar to what we have with each of the military services and each of our defense agencies and field activities. And it really is shifting the mindset to showcase how technology is the critical enabler um, for everything that we do. I mean, you see it in our personal lives, um, but uh, in our professional lives, particularly in the department, you can see that we have a um, pretty archaic technology. Um, particularly if you walk into the Pentagon, you can see like a lot of uh, old <laughs> computers and things of that nature. Um, I think the catalyst for the pandemic really accelerated the need to have uh, collaboration and to have seamless collaboration regardless of where you are, whether if you're physically in the office or you're at home, um, and to create that standardized user experience. And so we had that. And then when we moved back into the office, we were realizing that some of our policies were holding us back. So it wasn't keeping parity uh, with what the technology was doing and allowing us to, to do. And so these are all the things that we need to be able to um, kind of bring together, uh, create a strategic plan, advocate for resources, and then execute. Thank you. Thank you. And so how do you currently approach the challenges of gaining visibility and context across this diverse environment? Yeah, so I think um, many of you are very familiar with the Department of Defense and the fact that we have thousands of networks, whether if it's on the unclassified, classified, going all the way up to top secret. 
And each service, each military service has their own networks. Each uh, defense agency field activity has their own networks. And then here in the Pentagon or in the Pentagon reservation, there's a number of different networks. And that's just the networks. On top of that, you layer all the different types of capabilities, the cybersecurity capabilities, um, the idea that we're trying to separate data from the user and move a lot of applications that were tethered to physical data centers um, to the cloud. And then once we're in the cloud, what are we doing um, by, uh, with that? It's not just enough to get into the cloud. You have to be able to natively build and constantly do software modernization activities within the cloud. And so there is a lot, right? That landscape is vast and complex and difficult. And then you layer on all the different uh, components that have responsibilities for that. So what I would like to do is just focus on what we're doing here in, uh, for OSD. And we're trying to drive to create an OSD IT enterprise. And I'm a big proponent of enterprises. I think it's really important um, because there's a lot more commonality than there are uniqueness. And if you're able to baseline your, what we'll call common IT, and then allow for that more exquisite mission IT to reside on top of it, really streamlining your processes and understanding and codifying the roles and responsibilities of who's, who's doing what to whom and your expectations. A lot of that is um, very nascent or non-existent within OSD. And so we're, here we truly have a greenfield um, to build upon. And so for one of the first big steps that we're trying to do is instill uh, a governance structure. And I know that sounds boring because when people think governance, they automatically think bureaucracy, but it's not that. It's allowing for a forum, um, for sh uh, a collaboration, for shared ideas to really understand and kind of create what we mean by a unified uh, voice for OSD and then representing that within a strategic uh, plan and then associating that strategic plan with resourcing so you can actually deliver. And it sounds very simple, it's always very hard to do, but if you're clear-eyed about those sequential steps, that's how you can get to an OSD IT enterprise. Yeah, and so in context of a lot, one of the things that everybody is dealing with is, is super challenge is just the sheer amount of alerts from security and non-security, and it's a big challenge, right? So what do, you, what do you see as a role of automation playing in rationalizing that information? I mean, automation is absolutely key. And when we uh, pivoted from our um, kind of old uh, email-based type systems to uh, in-the-cloud software as a service three, with DoD 365, one of the key things that we ensured that we deployed were uh, capabilities like Sentinel and Lighthouse. And so they were able to create these automation uh, type tools and playbooks so that each of the operators within the various tenants that were in DOD 365 were able to um, kind of focus on and understand what the data was doing. And without that type of automation and without having that type of clarity, I mean, your analysts do get overwhelmed or they're tracking or uh, down the wrong things or not, they're not able to synthesize across the board because we are trying to treat this as an enterprise. And even though we have individual tenants, it's a shared risk. It's not just an individual risk. And so to be able to create um, cohesion amongst those tenant uh, operators to really understand the entire environment, that automation is 
absolutely critical. Yeah. And so there's um, a, really a lot of focus right now on modernizing the SOC and modernization of how uh, threat detection and prevention is being handled. How are you guys approaching that going into 2023? So for us, um, in my office, we're more, uh, we're not doing operations, but I think what we would like to be able to do is allow for the service provider to provide services. And so a key thing that we're trying to do is kind of flip the script in terms of how we're receiving services uh, in the Pentagon. And what I mean by that is, is right now, uh, it is a service provider-led event as opposed to a customer-driven event because we never had an opportunity to cohesively define the requirements from each of the components and provide that plan uh, with dollars for execution. And the implementers are the service provider. And so being able to do that and codifying those activities with really standardized memorandums of agreement, again, sounds very boring and laborious and bureaucratic, but that is foundational for you know, ensuring that the customers understand their roles and responsibilities and so to the service providers and you're able to hold each other to account as opposed to just having levels of frustration with mismatched expectations. Um, and I think by allowing for some sort of standardization, the ability to, for people to have clarity, our service providers could actually do their job and provide services. And right now it's been very complicated because of all the various lack of definition, authorities, um, who's doing what to whom, and it really makes the service provider's job that much more challenging. Danielle Metz, the leader of the new Information Management and Technology Directorate in the Office of the Secretary of Defense at Cyber Talks with moderator Kathy Miley. You can find a link to watch the video of the entire conversation at defensescooppodcast.com. U.S. Cyber Command's reviewing results of a defensive cyberspace operation concept it recently concluded. Colonel Candace Frost is commander of the Joint Intelligence Operations Center at Cyber Command. At Cyber Talks, she tells moderator Steve Fail of Microsoft how Cyber Command collects threat intelligence and what it does with it. When we look at and truly open source intelligence that we garner from uh, many different organizations out there, we heavily rely on that. And I think it's incredibly important that we talk about how information sharing is critical to make sure our mission is done. Really, when I look at Cyber Command, two-thirds of what I do is defensive in, in posture. You know, the Department of Defense, it's not the Department of Offense, it's defense. And so as we as a combatant command work to ensure that our networks are defended um, totally within the DOD, but also within our nation itself, we have to share information, and, and we've seen a growing partnership out there. We are not perfect, um, and, but please understand we're the government. We're here to help. That's an attempt at a joke. Um, but we really are. We really are here to help because we understand the enormity and the scale of what we're facing now and, and the challenges that all of us, both in industry and in government, face together. So, so if I say we're Microsoft, we're here to help, do I get the same laughter from the audience? Or just... I don't know. Google may not be laughing this loud. <laughs> Distinct possibility. Uh, so with that CTI, um, as, as you guys obviously, you know, a lot of work going into that with your work at JIOC, um, how has CTI changed over the last year, over the last five years? Um, is there a change in the way that we're using CTI? IOCs are less durable than they used to be. 
Uh, what's your perspective on that? So I, I think when we're looking kind of at the threat landscape, and, and maybe I'll pivot a little more towards what we're really seeing and things that we hadn't faced in the past. Malware and ransomware, we stood up um, an actual focus area on that um, in, a, in the past, and we're understanding the enormity of this problem that we're facing, trying to help um, the nation as a whole. That was a very large pivot that we've moved to. We have to move to the sound of the guns, the, really the 0110s in cybersecurity for us, less so bullets. And when that threat, that uh, environment itself changes, we have to pivot as fast as possible. Um, unfortunately, we're, we're not always the first to get there um, because they're targeting businesses first. So we're tr in a reactionary mode sometimes. So I think because um, threat information that's been shared with us and how we can maneuver along in, in a partnership, um, it, it's moved quite a bit in the last year and it's getting better. You used the partnership word. Uh, so as we, as we look at whether it's threat intelligence sharing, um, that strategic advantage that we have because of digital transformation, Microsoft obviously very invested in moving forward organizations, digital transformation. But for that security transformation, if CTI is the lifeblood of cybersecurity, then the beating heart is probably strong partnerships. So I'm sure in your capacity at Cyber Command, many strong partnerships. I know we have a good partnership with Cyber Command, uh, many others as well. It really takes uh, you know, a lot of work to build those partnerships. Do you have any lessons learned? Anything to share with the audience uh, around those strong partnerships? So the partnerships are absolutely important. As my kids would say, they're clutch. Um, but the partnerships are so important to the, to the point, it starts with the word P, please be patient. Um, understand that there's one GIOC commander and there are many, many different vendors out there. And, and our ability to pass over, you know, we have people that, that work on the side of acquisition and procurement. Um, and so as we pass information back and forth, I think a lot of times, especially smaller businesses, it's exhausting. The acquisition process in the government um, it is pretty tough, but be patient with us. The second thing that I have definitely seen General Nakasone and team open the door with the phenomenal team we've seen with CISA and the FBI opening more doors towards that partnership is information sharing. At lightning speed, we've declassified information if we look at the war in Ukraine and what was passed forward. It's been phenomenal to see this um, in my intelligence background and, and what I've done for almost 25 years. I've never seen the sharing uh, between agencies and also at writ large with the American public. And I find that partnership is important, especially in cybersecurity. So with, with people still being such a huge part of the process, um, partnerships between organizations, uh, within organizations trying to scale up to meet the need, only one GIOC commander, um, how do we think about skilling? How do we think about what's needed from a personnel perspective and achieve strategic advantage there as well? Absolutely, and I think um, we've already demonstrated a little bit in this room with the acronym STEW and SOUP that, that we've served up. Um, cybersecurity is really tough if you're looking from the outside. Uh, just ask anyone in the Department of Defense when they walk into the Pentagon and you hear the circle of acronyms that are going on, it's almost like you either need a secret decoder ring or can speak the foreign language of DOD. Um, it's very similar in cybersecurity. And so what I've um, attempted to do is kind of open the, the doors to the tent to say, hey, this tent's pretty large and there are a lot of empty chairs. Um, and, you know, it's a great show to watch. So. 
Opening the doors to people that don't look like you, walk like you, and talk like you is incredibly important. Widening the specter of who we bring into cybersecurity, starting at even the lowest levels, if we look at educational opportunities with STEAM that are out there, we have ourselves at um, Cyber Command, Dreamport in Maryland, that we use as a kind of educational launch point uh, for high school students, they did this last weekend. And so um, allowing both at the high school and even the college level to understand there are tons of opportunities out there for them, but you've got to bring them in. And I think that's a part of all of us in this room is we're all a part of the recruiting strategy. We'd really appreciate it if you can bring them into the military. That's great. But also into your organizations and fields um, that we can continue to grow the understanding of cybersecurity. Inclusivity, clarity, approachability, uh, fantastic concepts, great lessons for each of us. Um, one, one more question. Uh, our Defending Democracy team at Microsoft is pretty busy uh, these days with the proximity to the midterm elections. Uh, I believe your organization has some authorities and responsibilities there as well. Can you tell me what's going on? Absolutely. Folks, we are 18 days away from the midterm elections. And uh, we've been tracking this for, for uh, quite a while. And as we're walking up, we really see how important it is, especially in our field. We are teamed up with NSA. FBI and CISA as well. CISA um, actually released a great pamphlet two days ago on mis- and disinformation. It's a, a great um, kind of understanding of what's out there with respect to, and really good examples on the threat environment when we look at in years past with respect to what Russia, Iran, and China have done um, to, to meddle in our elections. And I think that's something that we can continue to pass forward as well with information sharing is just showing what's happened in the past. And we're continuing to defend it right now. Colonel Candace Frost, commander of the Joint Intelligence Operations Center at U.S. Cyber Command at CyberTalks with moderator Steve Fail. You can find a link to watch the video of that entire conversation at defensescooppodcast.com. The Defense Scoop Podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you don't want to miss a show, you can subscribe and get the show every weekday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your shows, and on any device you get your shows. And if you really like the Defense Scoop Podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It'll help more people find the show. The Defense Scoop Podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help me put the show together every week and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Defense Scoop podcast returns next Wednesday. I'm Francis Rose. I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening.